recording now. Keep all, keep all comments, comments, blah, 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 the other things you're talking about, Jason, you're selfish. Well, on the record, just coming in, I timed that actually quite perfectly. Yeah. I left the office at 8 o'clock, and I was literally walking out of the office, and I was like, I think it's going to take about 90 minutes. And I did have to jump quite a few trains for you, because everything was running behind, but mm. yeah, 90 minutes, I made it here. Nice. All right, so, so should we kick it off? Should yeah, let's do it. Eddie? Eddie's playing with himself right now. That's on recording, you know. I know. <laughs> but wait, why is, why is the note that I wrote... Empty. <laughs> Empty. Yeah. Don't laugh. I am. No. Okay. Okay. It's okay, okay. It's on his phone. Because yeah, so, he's like, that's that's crap. And you take notes. I never I do. do. Take so notes. I know. I know you, you never you're the take good notes. ones. Because it's all about. What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of What Are You Guys Talking About? This is going to be. I want to call it like the slow burn episode. <laughs> A, because it's going to have to be really quick. Because it's late, and Ed and I are going to have to get to bed pretty soon after this. But B, because we really, we were like debating what to do, because next week we're going to do Last Night in Soho, because we're going to go see that on Sunday, and I'm really excited because we're Edgar Wright fans through and through, and it's the 60s, which is one of my favoritest eras, because that's when my mom was a cool person. I mean, it's horror. I mean, my mom's always a cool person, but that's when she was like really cool. (laughs) So yeah, and it is horror. Yeah, it is horror. And you know what? I found out, so I have like, not a thing, but I I quite like the actress Thomasina McKenzie, Okay. and I couldn't figure out why, and I'm like, what has she been in that really charmed me, that I was Mm. like, she's so charming? Mm. Jojo Rabbit. She's, She's the Jewish girl in Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I hadn't okay, realized. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you say Because she was it. a lot younger. Yeah, 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 yeah Now yeah, she's yeah. older. But I was like... Yeah, but now you say it, I can, I can picture exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I could just... It's her voice. I, that's the charming part I of her. I really like Anna Taylor-Joy as well. Oh, absolutely. Great. But that goes without saying. I don't think there's yeah. anyone on the planet right now that isn't like in her camp. But mm-hmm. Thomasina McKenzie, another one that's... I, I think they're very similar to the two. That's why I thought it was a good cast because... She has different qualities, but also young actress on the rise. You know what I mean? These are your future Scarlett Johansson's, your, you know, Johansson, whichever one it is. But you know what I mean? So, but today we're going to be talking a little bit at the end about A Beautiful Mind, which yes. we've talked about before. It is, you know, again, one of my seminal films. And every time I go back to watch it, I watched it again last night and was mm. like, wow, this is mm. so good. So we'll talk about that. But just to start off, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Love Victoria Productions podcast. We very much just kind of talk about what we watch, what we see, how that affects our writing. Sometimes we talk about what we're working on, and sometimes we even get guests on the show. But generally, it's film, TV, and a little bit of indie indie filmmaking kind of mixed together for this really crazy show that's been running for 101 episodes now. That's right. 101, baby. That's right. So if you want to check us out, SoundCloud is where we're at. I like to be amongst the musicians. It's my way of trying to get music videos, you know, but we are on SoundCloud, so you can subscribe that way, but we're on every other podcasting platform I can think of, so please just look. Um, I tend to, you know, listen to us through iTunes just because that's the, the podcast platform I use the most often. Um, if you want to check us out on social media, we have pages for Edward Burgos and Jason Chereau. My last name's weird, C-H-E-R-O-T, but you can find us there. You can also find a Love Victoria Productions page, which has lots of good things. We had 1,100 engagements or something. We had a lot of engagements in the past two months, so people are clearly checking out our Facebook page for some reason. What I would suggest is if you like the Facebook page, go to the website, www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. It has everything there. And it still has up our old trailer, which I still think is beautiful. Probably the best thing I've ever edited. So there you go, folks. You know, everything's there. Dirty 20s on there. That's Ed's, uh, Ed's premiere uh, Dungeons and Dragons show. I like the latest episode, Ed. Yeah. All fun, you know. Sorry it's not up yet, by the way. I'm saying this. Usually by the time we'd be recording this, it'd be well past up, but this is what you happens. You were in the city. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately I was working today. Mm. So, 
Without further ado, the other place you can catch us, Instagram, we've got Jazzy J. Shiro and Anano LVP. Twitter, we've got at MouthLawVictoria and at Prod. And finally, you can check us out on LinkedIn. And sorry, and finally, you can check us out. LinkedIn is just a company page for Low Victoria Productions. And finally, we have uh, TikTok. Le TikTok. Yeah, and you can see Ed, because most of the stuff I'm posting now is just an intro to his Dirty 20 videos, because I just think the kids would like that. You know, the kids yeah, might like sure. it, man. So, but we are LVP Film Life. And when I do get fun things, occasionally I do, like, I do have a bunch of, like, nature stuff that I need to put up, mm. and I keep recording and then just not putting up there. So, like, hedgehogs and deer and mm. stuff like that, cool. man. And usually, like, I don't know, everybody, the best thing we ever did on TikTok is I did, I had this squirrel that just used to demolish this bird feeder I had. <laughs> And I put it to Mission Impossible Squirrels theme, are fun. and a little bit of like a little bit of special effects, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, like you would have thought that I was like, that's the whole reason I kind of stay off of TikTok. I was like, this is what makes a good filmmaker on TikTok. I'm not necessarily sure that's what it's I want to be. It's unrealistic. Exactly. I just I'm not sure. 15 seconds is an awful short time for me. So that is best way to get a hold of us. But let's do first impressions on a beautiful mind, just in case you're one of those people that didn't catch this when it was Oscar worthy because it, it won some Oscars. I mean, one of shit ton of Oscars exactly yeah. right but just in case you've like missed this jumped this don't like Russell Crowe whatever yeah. reason you have not watched this amazing film yeah. first impressions for me is go watch it you know I'm gonna make that actually really quick and it's a shame because I need to fill out this this episode <laughs> with a lot of other stuff but it's like yeah. first impressions are short for me this is one of my all time favorite films this would be on my like next five mm -hmm. you know what I mean if I was doing top ten you know next five films this is clearly one of them and yeah. I'll talk about why when we get to it yeah. but Ed first impressions for you because I guess it's been a while since you've seen it who is this film for, and who might not like this film? Um, oh, that's hard. That's it's hard to say. I think so. Uh, this it's a throwback film. It's it's almost a little bit timeless in the way it's shot as well. Uh, but it came out in two thousand and one in a period of time when there were a lot of good films coming out. I mean, that was the first uh, Lord of the Rings came out then. Mm -hmm. First Harry Potter, Shrek was out then as well. But then you had things like Ali, and you know other like. Uh, just amazing pieces of film uh, and pieces of acting. And and this kind of has stood the test of time, I think. Um, I, I think Russell Crowe... It's funny that you said, if you're not a Russell Crowe fan, because I asked my, my mother if she'd watch it, and she's like, oh, no, I don't like Russell Crowe. But I think she'd love... I think she would really like this film. It's, it's fair. You know? it's, and that's, that's, that's what we talked about, I think, the first time we went through this, is like, this is... A, it's Russell Crowe at his best. Yeah. You know what I mean? At his very, very best. But yeah. it's also a Russell Crowe you may not have seen because mm. it was early Russell Crowe. Yeah. And as his career went on, less and less of this started coming out. That's why he tends to be quite quiet these days because yeah. I just think he had a slew of, you know, films that... I mean, if, if you're you know, looking for McDreamy on it, like, yeah, I mm. guess he's always easy on the eyes, but mm. this is one where it's actually his acting that will really get you. Yeah. Like, it's not... He's not easy on the eyes in this one, I think. No, it's no, it's he, it's it's almost like uh, the Charlize Theron doing right, monster kind of. It, right, like, it, it, it plays... is it is an Oscar baity film, one hundred percent. If you don't like Oscar bait, then skip this one. There you go. That's that's all yeah. I want is because we always try to give like just in case. Like yeah. if this is my just in case five minutes. You know, while we're talking, yeah. but by Oscar bait we mean films that are clearly made to to appeal to, to feelings and. There's an acting kind of tour de force. Right. Often it has involvement with some disability. I'm thinking of My Left Foot with uh, 
uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Every time you bring that up, and though, the every time of, yeah. it doesn't drop in thunder, <laughs> like, <laughs> man, he only went half retired. You can't go, you went full retired. That was the wrong way <laughs> never, to go, man. Never, never you can't even retired. say full know, retard it's, anymore. It's, like, that is, apparently that you is, can't even say handicapped. I got in trouble with my wife. My wife is obviously a teacher yeah, so and is very good with this stuff. stuff yeah. Not just trained, but like, that's the cool thing about teachers. At least teachers like my wife. And I would say it's it's like, you know, 50-50 split whether they're like this. But teachers that are like teachers' teachers, like you're into their teaching, like she'll tell you why you're not supposed to say that and i was like oh like my yeah. bad like Tro- i don't want anybody to feel bad <laughs> no no 100 and 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 it's funny because tropic thunders we've talked about this in the past as oh well we should a do film. a podcast on tropic we probably Thunder. should it's just one of those films that could never be made nowadays it's funny though because it's not that old like it's, it's only it's, not, it's 2005 i think 2006 yeah, yeah, dude, that's a long that's like 15 years ago yeah brother. still still <laughs> but, but but look like like you know what i mean i'd say that about like blazing saddles could yeah, be made yeah, today right yeah, that's from 1970 yeah, 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 yeah. that's 50 years old yeah, but this yeah. one like that's a modern film still to me yeah, yeah and no, i'm 100%. like and don't get me wrong like oh man i'm gonna be controversial can i be controversial on, on the first it. impressions like sometimes like that's kind of the level i wish we could get back to you know what I mean? Because Robert Downey Jr. in blackface and that. And now, remember, I'm mixed, not 100% black. And, yeah. and I haven't had to deal in America with the whole blackface thing. Right, it never right, was right. around. You know, it was never something that came up, mm. you know, when I was a kid. Yeah. But I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was funny, especially because the way they tackled it, explaining that, like, because they make fun of him. And they're right. like, you're ridiculous yeah. for doing this. And then yeah. he's like, I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem comes, and and it was it's interesting because I like I came about this with with reading a little bit about Dave Chappelle and stuff like that, and him walking away from the very big deal that that he was about to get, and a, a part of that being that he felt like often white people watching the show weren't getting the joke no and this is that same era so i think the one he always goes back to because it was the one that obviously i'm from the midwest Mm. so and if you didn't know the midwest has kkk all over the place at least where i grew up you know that's not uncommon Mm. and they put up signs at the high schools and stuff like that Mm. and so he did this skit dave Chappelle did i'm sorry we're doing this in first impression but it's fine (laughs) um he did this skit about Clayton Bigsby, which was a blind KKK Klansman that was black, and he yeah. just didn't know it. I mean, there were so many good jokes in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. However, I don't think he considered what would happen in KKK territory when you release that. You know, right. white kids are white kids, man. And, I, yeah, and like, I dealt, I was in college when this mm. came out, same time Beautiful Mind came out, mm. and I can remember the jokes going around, because the second year was the year we had the, all the Rick James jokes from right, Dave right, Chappelle's right. second season. And it was like, it does sound corny. You know, when you're at a frat party or something like that and a bunch of white guys are going, hey, grow me in you know, And it just, fine. And I, I, I've had levels of those discomfort. I didn't know it was because of my race at the time. Yeah. Then, like, sitting with other people that were black, they were like, yeah, man, you were uncomfortable because they were doing that. It's like, oh, okay. But that's what I mean. Like, I never thought the white guys, to be honest, like, meant it with any malice. Like, it was always a joke. You know what I mean? It was always meant to be funny. However, once you put the joke into Mm. the modern parlance, then it's out there. And you can't control control it anymore. I think it's the same way that some of my my black mentors talk about the N-word and Mm. how that has been put into modern parlance. And some of them wish it hadn't. You know what I mean? Because it's still not a word that should ever really be used. Mm. But... Now there's all these rules as to when you can say it, when you can. Even I don't say it on the air, even though I'm perfectly free to do so. Mm. It's just, it's one of those things. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely been a watershed, a kind of before and after in popular media. And I think that A Beautiful Mind falls into this before era. Uh, 
And, it was. And, and, and there's something really interesting that I didn't know, which I learned after watching it uh, today, was that um, Jennifer... Connelly. Connelly, her character, is originally from El Salvador. Oh, really? Yeah. Nash's wife was originally from El Salvador. Which one, though? Uh, sorry, the one that's depicted in in okay. the in 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 the movie Jennifer okay. Connelly's character. That's character. really cool, man. That's a little, little is, hometown legend is. for you. And and in a way, it kind of made me a little angry because it was whitewashed. Yeah, it it, it there, there's just there's no mention. There's no there's no nothing. And, and and the funny thing is, it didn't have to be whitewashed. I just had this conversation with a group of my Hispanic friends in the city about mm. like the different types of Hispanics. And mm-hmm. this could have easily been like a schoolboy or schoolgirl mm. Salvadorian mm. because we have friends like that that are practically white. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But, you know, and this is, trust me, people say the same thing about me, so I'm not being prejudiced here. I get called a coconut all the freaking time. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's what we're talking about, someone that was raised in a yeah, white yeah. world. So it had those mannerisms. And, and, you could have easily found yeah. someone for that. And and equally, I understand that for the filmmakers, it was like, well, maybe this is a, an extra layer that we don't, need but i think it brings it back to this whole idea of representation and i did think at one point wait hold on i'm sure that um alicia nash would have been quite delighted that jennifer connelly was was playing her. Yeah, you know sure, I mean? when but, you're but, when, when you're thinking oh who would play but, me in a but movie when you're, you know? i totally see this is why we're friends dude because i totally know what you mean but once you've got it in your head sometimes the whitewash will really upset you yeah it, that happens yeah. to me and i'm like on films I used to like, mm. and now I watch, and I'm like, yeah. why did they whitewash this? Yeah, like, what's yeah, yeah. The it purpose? seems unnecessary. That's so, and a lot of films from, obviously, like, that is watershed, what you're saying. Yeah, All yeah. the stuff that I love from, like, childhood, yeah. you know, upwards, sometimes I have to look at it with that light and be like, man, there's just not enough people of color in this. 100%, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's funny that some of the films I love were better because they did that. Like, The mm. Matrix was, if you look at it, at that era, was one of the only films that had a black and white and Asian cast. You know, mm. he wasn't afraid, or they weren't afraid, to mm. put people of color in there. Mm. And, and it, listen, like, it's not that it has to be that way. Because I get in that argument with some of my, you know, older English friends, I'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. You know, some more traditional English friends that are like, well, why do we have to have... You know why do we have to have the you know the diversity card and every everything? It's like because the world is a diverse place. Yes, and, and because these for stories... too long, like people have not had someone to look at, and kind of, you know, see a part of well, themselves. It, it in just it, you it gives know? false and... impressions. You know, in America, guys, white people are going to be the minority in what twenty years, ten <laughs> years. Like you go places like California, it's fifty one percent Hispanic. Mm-hmm-hmm. So I mean, that's all I'm saying is like you know like. The reason we have to do these things in film is so people see a, a clearer picture of what's really out there. Exactly. As opposed the to... The real I world. mean, don't give me... You know, God knows, I give this stuff to my wife and then I have to shut up and remember how poorly women are represented. 100%. You know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the oldest it's, of old it, problems. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think maybe one of my complaints for A Beautiful Mind um, is that clearly Akiva Goldsman, who wrote this, um, wanted to make a good story. And in trying to do that, I think that, again, he created a, a very unrealistic thing. Uh, it's it's interesting know? because I never had that problem with this film, but mm. you put me in front of like Seabiscuit's a great one. Mm. Seabiscuit's a great film. Mm. Okay, but I hate it. 
because it takes place in like the 20s and 30s yeah, and there yeah. isn't a single person of color in that film right. because I'm always like everybody loves this era right mm. the you know the roaring 20s mm. and then the depression because it was a great era for America I'm like fuck that if you had mm. any idea how people mm. of color lived during that time it was one of the worst times mm. for us to be alive and so that's why every time I watch that, it's always like, yay! And I'm like, yeah, yay for you. You know what mm. I mean? But the same way about The Great Gatsby. Like, mm. everybody loves that era. I, now that I've read about Harlem and there was, like, a safe haven for people of color, mm. and I know more about my heritage in, in the Florida Keys, which was another place that was really cool, you know, up until, like, the 50s for, for people of color, fine. We mm. did have spots in the world, but mm. I don't like these American biopics that are like, look how yes. great the world yeah. was. And it was like, Again, ah, manifest destiny Exactly. Whole, like, like, we have to this, change this that was, narrative. Uh, yeah, America's destiny. And, and we were like still that. in 2001, you're very right. So mm. if you're driving the Zetgeist at the time, you know, this is way before America just started having... Post 9-11. You know, right? just like, before, you know, we didn't start looking in the mirror until like 2010 onwards. Maybe yeah. post-Obama, really. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I think I think the thing with that was, and we're getting to a really topic on this one, <laughs> but I think the thing was that, like, people didn't understand, A, the backlash after Obama. I yeah. did, because I grew up in the Midwest, and right. I knew that the guys there, it wasn't just because it was black, it was because they didn't feel like, in the eight years he was in office, that he did anything to right. kind of improve their situation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a typical overcompensation that happens. Right, yeah. but then the overcompensation on race brought about, like, a second civil rights movement, which yeah. was really cool, because now, like... You can point to that and be yeah. like, we're not going back past yeah. that point again. Okay? And I think that this comes into our our media and, and the films. I, I find film can be such a powerful instrument, mm. right? It can it can do things that, you know, in the 1800s that, that uh, publishers, uh, authors were doing and, you know, for centuries before as well. It can mold people's views on things. And I think that one of the things that this film does very well uh is talk about mental health uh something that in 2001 was not very typical you know and this puts it front and center it it makes you connect with someone who is experiencing arguably one of the most terrifying things i could possibly imagine which is the idea that not everything that you perceive is actually true that you are making things up. Yeah, and like, okay, because this is when it starts to get very narcissistic for me. So apologies to everyone, not just Ed, but to everyone. But there is a reason I love this film. Mm. Like, because it talks about what happens when you have like a high-functioning mind like mm. that. And what people don't always understand is that if you're able to break the rules in your mind for certain things to make yourself smarter. So he's mm. a mathematician that can see things a different way but mm. doing that puts you on the outside and the film very much shows you what that's like like i felt that struck a chord with me mm. especially like you said on the mental health things because mm. i do have a hard time when people think wow he's so smart but he's also sometimes kind of crazy and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. that's what it's like mm. like i don't see a problem the same way someone else does call me autistic then if that mm. makes it easier Right. But it's the idea that because you're, you know, you're, and, and this isn't me trying to say operate on a level like John Nash. I don't. But, you know, I am paid because I'm a, I'm a smart guy. And I do think sometimes when you have to look at these things from a different angle, you're leaving your mind open to those same type of things. And it gets harder to figure out, well, am I crazy? Or is this just another reality? No. Or is this, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of truth mm. in what they put there. Now they... Again, I would love to see a more... This was 2001, right? Mm. Whitewash and, and Oscar baiting. Mm. I would love to see like 
the the sequel to me of this because mm. you can't do John Nash again. But the sequel to me is to do something much more mumblecore like this, mm. and to do something very subtle so people can understand that this is a problem for lots of people, right. not just a super genius. Like I, I, I completely agreed, um, and I think that that would be the appropriate way to go about it in the current world that we live in. I think that what Ron Howard did, um, and and I'm I'm such a huge fan of his. I, I really think right, he's right. He, he is very underrated in the greatest filmmakers of all time pantheon. Yeah, because he's so. This thing because I went to read his comments about it, and and he's not a Spielberg. He's not a Lucas. He's not like any of them. He just is so for a guy that's been on the top since freaking the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> like he's so humble. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he just, he just seems like a, like a really, uh, great guy. Now, of course, you know, it's easy. We don't really Hollywood. know him. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> yeah. we might have been person to be like, yeah. I'm not a what great guy. What an asshole, you know, him but, but, and, him but, and like Brian Steven Spielberg, I love because yeah. Spielberg's cocky. Like, mm. he's always been cocky. And that's why he's a great director because he trusts what he knows. And he's, you know, Lucas is a similar way. Lucas is kind of the cocky nerd. Mm. Like, you know, all the ones we grew up with, he kind of stands apart because he doesn't do that. He doesn't go out there and say, I'm amazing. But, but what's very interesting, though, is that he comes off the back of those guys. Like, he he's mentored by George Lucas yeah, and Steven right, Spielberg, right. you know? Like, he... And he becomes an incredible craftsman. Like, the way he he makes a film this this one in particular and by the way we're way beyond first impressions i think now <laughs> yeah yeah no we'll get into what we watched this week in a minute we, we're just as i said we have, to, we have to fill the episode with a lot of stuff today so because because beautiful mind is an old film and and we weren't sure how much we'd say about it but here we go yeah so so yes it's again oscar baiting go away if, yeah. if you if you don't mind the oscar baiting this is seminal film you Something, should you should you absolutely should watch, watch this. this it's a beautiful romance it's uh an an exploration of a flawed hero who battles through adversity to to come on top at the end or at the very least to to come to terms with things right so i think that's where because now we're branching into like more in depth i think that's where this splits in modern times so what ron howard did is give the classic tragic hero story so it's almost oedipus again you know it's it's he doesn't know what he doesn't know and that's what's going to kill him in the end Mm. um and, and and the ron howard philosophy and i would say this was a philosophy around the time and usually used for oscar you can go the other direction if you want make it full tragedy Mm -hmm. because that was as i said avoided in this film because he didn't want that to happen Mm -hmm. and to do that he 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 changes it slightly to have the happy ending and says you know we'll we'll focus on and you know he had the luck that he didn't have to change it because it's an autobiography you know it's a biography Mm -hmm. but he he ends it on the note of all of this didn't consume john nash Mm -hmm. and made him stronger Mm -hmm. and look what a great what a beautiful mind Mm -hmm. he has for being able to beat his demons in the end and i think can't get rid of them maybe that's one of the reasons why it feels quite timeless in the sense that it's a it's a kind of timeless story. That know? that's the part that resonates so well with me because mm. you know, as I said, being personal on the podcast, it's a podcast, so I can say that. You know, that's the kind of mental health stuff that comes up for me is that that kind of like cagey, especially during COVID. I felt that really, really strongly during COVID, where you almost get this pseudo reality, this kind of plasticine, and you start worrying. This is when I call Ed every day, like Ed, is everything okay? <laughs> you know, and it just happens because you start questioning is everything around me okay Mm. is everything around me real like am i feeling the way i should be feeling kind of deal because your mind's always working your mind's always always on Mm -hmm. and again again i'm not john nash but i i understand there are so many scenes in there where i'm like 
yes. Like, when you look at something and you can just see something that someone else can't. Like, mm. it's just like that. So, but that's what I said. The modern exposition, you know, we've tried to do it these days, I think, really poorly through reality TV. Like, let me just say, on mental health issues, I do not think reality TV is the best way to go because it always seems exploitative yeah, to me. exactly. You know what I mean? Even though, even if they're not trying to be exploitative, mm. it's because, like, it's, watch these people. It's also very trendy now. Uh, and inevitably, there's a, there's, a, there's a falseness that comes with, you know, everyone jumping on, on, a, on a particular bandwagon. Like I say, 2001 was, was very early to be talking about stuff like this. Yeah. And um, like I say, I think I think they did a really really good job. Okay. Well, first impressions. Let's talk a little bit about what we watched this week, and then we'll okay. Come... But we have to come back because I I do have lots of things to say. Of surprisingly. course, of course. But just so we don't leave it out, because yeah. there were lots of things to say. <laughs> okay. Too, cool. I think I think yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I might do. I mean, what did you watch this week that you, that, so that you I, thought was worth mentioning? Two things that I watched that were worth mentioning. Well, first of all, thank you very much. A couple of podcasts ago, you said. Um, people don't realize that BBC I, BBC iPlayer is arguably one of the best streaming services that's out there. Partic- obviously, for people in the UK, because it's free, right? Mm. As long as you have like a TV license. Um, but yeah, I've I've been on there a lot. I, I caught up with some amazing documentaries. Um, you know, the whole David Attenborough thing. I love falling asleep to those things. They're just I know, so good. I know. Um, but as I was on there, uh, something popped up and I was like, oh, I don't think I've seen this. And I start watching it and it's your guy, Brian Cox. I know you told me I hadn't uh, watched it last night. I didn't get a chance to watch it last night. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah. Universe is, is the name of it. Oh and it is phenomenal. I mean, maybe my favorite documentary i've ever seen really i'm not even kidding I, have you I, watched his planets when that's my favorite yes. of his because it's a story like yeah like i literally wrote a sci-fi story on the back of watching that uh so this does something which is i mean it, it's pretty much a, a staple of the bbc documentary but um it combines the the vfx the spectacular vfx uh from it's actually a company i looked them up they're in london called Lola VFX House or okay. Lola Post Production. Yeah. And it's run by uh is it Rod Rod Harvey, Ron Harvey? Sounds familiar. I, somebody else we know must be using who, it because yeah. Um, that name's been banned around. The, he was the cinematographer for the series. And so the VFX are phenomenal, right? Which you kind of expect in a, you know, space uh universe kind of uh, thing. That's cuz that's but, where he differs but, from Attenborough, you know? The thing that really surprised me was how spectacular all the other cinematography was. Okay. It was as grand and sweeping as any Attenborough nature documentary. Right. I mean, it's, it's the real trick because people think, oh, they can just photograph space. They're like, mm. no. Some of the concepts he's going to talk about are theoretical. Like, we have telescopes that could point us there, but we may not be able to see it the way you want to see it. So but they I'm have talking, to recreate yeah. these things on a simulation with VFX. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, you know, all the past ones I've seen them mm. do, you know. So you kind of expect that. But this one, the one that surprised me, like I say, the sweeping shots of like cliff tops and oh, cool. like the cityscape. And it, it, it's, very I think cool. you're I, really going to like it. I will check it out. As I said, it's a new one. So if you guys don't know, and, and, and my wife, if she ever listens to this podcast, will be chuckling because she, I think she worried I was going to 
to run away with Brian Gosling <laughs> because I do love. He's your man crush. Well, it's it's one of my pocket hobbies that that will never go away just because I'm very interested in astrophysics, mm. um, and that's weird to some people. And other people see the calculus book and the, the physics no, books no, in my house I, and get I, it. I, like, I, I love that. I stuff. just studied it yeah. since I was little, and like <clears> I understand it, and and I'm never going to do it as a career. But you know, don't throw away the knowledge you have, right? Mm-hmm. So. Brian Cox was the first presenter, other than maybe Carl Sagan, of course, being the original, you know, and then Neil, was it Neil Tyson deGrasse? Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. deGrasse Tyson, I always get it mixed up. Like, Cosmos is good. Mm. Brian Cox, to me, though, is on another level because yeah. he's just able to take very, very calm. Like, when he talked about thermodynamics, which, mm. I mean, I took thermodynamics, it's complicated, and the mathematics behind it is, is horrible, but he just put out a sentence saying, like, everything devolves to chaos, and mm. it's like, yeah. That's mm. the second rule of thermodynamics. The nicest thing you've ever said to me was comparing me to Brian Cox in explaining like just uh, like weird D and D stuff. <laughs> it's 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 the right thing though. That's that's exactly it. It's that yeah. way of and it's not just Ed because this is what I mean with you too because you're like this when we're on set too with 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 you know actors and stuff like that. It's not just what you say it's the way you say it too and he has a great way of just putting it in this really kind of warm and cuddly yeah, and he's, he's I mean very... I, think, I think Becky went crazy when she found out he was also in D-Ream and was like are you kidding me and I'm like yeah I use the keyboard it's oh, in no D-Ream way. yeah you didn't know, I that? Didn't know that oh my god see that's the same face she made oh he's making the great face that's amazing D-Ream oh, right D-Ream <laughs> yeah I just you know what I mean like this yeah. dude's awesome like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just and, and you know leading professor at the University of Manchester has helped put I mean, University of Manchester was on the map before, but now it's really on the map, yeah. thanks to him. You know, it's a great university. Now it's up there. Mm. You know, the other the other red bricks. And Has stuff. he not taken over? Ah, um... uh, you want him to go with with uh, the the other great astrophysicist of England who who has died, Stephen Hawking, in, in Cambridge. No, 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 no. Um, they uh, the the Royal Society do a lecture every year. At Christmas time. Okay. And uh, for a long, long time, um, it, it's been very famous um, scientists. Okay. And I think Brian Cox has been doing it for the past kind of five, six years. It wouldn't, or it like wouldn't that. surprise me at all. Like, yeah, and, and that's the thing. The other fabulous. really cool thing about him is he loves to travel, does these shows, mm. but he's also a very, very able and talented astrophysicist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he. Yeah leading in his in his field you yeah, know, yeah he knows what he's talking about and he continues to, to build on that so For oh sure. that's really great man i said brian cox I you're gonna love it, it. love the guy it. one of these days one of these days here you know, that's on the bucket list and i'm pretty sure i'll be able to do that before i die i'll be able to <laughs> meet him hang out with him i just like to have a coffee with him mm. and ask him about some of the stuff that he talks about you know what i mean he's a just, cool cat just a cool dude um the other thing that i watched i don't know how it happened i think it popped up on netflix and i was like i haven't watched that in a while but it was Austin Powers, gold member. Oh my god, <laughs> Faja! You know, but no, Faja. But, but I hear you because a couple of days this this would happen. We might be having the same mind because a couple yeah. of nights ago I was like, I just want a dumb comedy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't watched a dumb comedy in so long. Yeah. That I just wanted to put something on. I didn't have to think to. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What did you watch? I didn't put anything. On. Oh, okay. I didn't. Have, I didn't have <laughs> you resisted. Chill and fell asleep yeah. trying to pick something. So, because um, that's what happens to me. Unfortunately, <laughs> I go to pick something and I'm just fall asleep yeah. while I'm trying to find it. So I so I start watching it. I'm enjoying the crap out of this thing. It's hilarious. And after like 20 minutes, I'm like, oh my God, what happened to Mike Myers? This was so good. And then about 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it gets old quick. <laughs> it was the third one. So it was yeah. like, you know, the, the one everybody remembers. Oh, is Beyonce, like, what is, though. Schmo- schmoking a pancake. Schmoking a pancake. It's in a blong. 
Yeah, gold members, fantastic. Shafaja, And Michael Caine also. But yeah, I mean, the first Austin Powers, the first Austin Powers, when that comes out, I'm like a freshman in high school. Mm. And I remember the seniors that I was friends with because, you know, I made buddies with these guys who basically helped me become cool or whatever it would be. Like, they quoted that incessantly. So we all just knew every line from Austin Powers. What was the set? I can't remember the set. Spike Shagged me. Yeah. With with, um, uh, Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Again, like, nothing to you, Heather Graham, because you you were in lots of stuff, but I never rated her as an actress. I just never... I mean, she, the stuff she I think was she, there, there was a period where she was in some interesting, interesting films. She but, had, yeah, she had a long phase, like yeah, a 10 year yeah, phase. Yeah. Now she's kind of dropped off again. Mm. I mean, I, I, the stuff I liked that she was in, not Boogie Nights. I never, that's one of the, that's, that's one of the, put me off Paul Thomas Anderson. Cause I, I just don't think she's acting very well in this, but from hell, she's decent in the, the Johnny Depp. Oh God, no, she's so bad in that. Really? Oh, yeah, I love, see, I love that film. That. I, I do. Guilty the thing pleasure. Is, Guilty 100%, pleasure. Okay. Hundred percent. I love that film as well. I think it's a great film. But it's her, only because her, I, I work right her next to Irish movie. accent. Though, is it, is it is terrible? So bad. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time. Uh, but so. it's a film that I've I watch over and over again because I do. I, just, I really really like that, it. That particular Jack the Ripper yeah, story. Yeah. I like and and the other like the other thing about Jack the Ripper guys is is I love East London. Like mm. so you will White regularly Jack find Lord. me at the Ten mm. Bells because mm. I just think I used to take clients there and be like, hey, we gotta go check this out. They're like, is this really the Ten Bells? I'm like, yeah, man, Jack the Ripper killed the guy right there. <laughs> So I found out like one of the old places I used to work is on like Hooker Alley. I remember I was taking the tour downtown and then like they pointed to my old law firm and be like, that's Hooker Alley. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what what did you watch? Okay, so lots of things this week. Mm-hmm. First one which we were talking about before was Free Guy. Because okay. Free Guy, just so you know, like you've got a, a blockbuster, it made money in the cinema too, and it's on it's free on Disney Plus now. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. an old I, Fox. I, I definitely want to watch it. It was definitely a Fox it. film that sat on somebody's distribution thing and they couldn't get rid of it, so they just released it and said, Let's get rid of this. I hated it. Okay. Hated it. Okay. It had Taika Watiti in it. Yeah, I yeah. still hated it. I hated Taika for being in it. I was like, You douchebag, this is a terrible film. You really you really don't like Ryan Reynolds. No, because the comedy's not funny to me. Like, it just was like him grinning at himself the whole fucking film. And then they had, like, elements of Mythic Quest in there. Like, mm-hmm. it's a hodgepodge of a film. Yeah. So it has, like, three plots going on at the yeah, same yeah. time. One of which is a romance that's similar to what's happening in Mythic mm-hmm. Quest. But it was terrible. And that's why I wanted you to watch it to see. Is it just me? Like, because mm. it can be. And that's why he's saying, because he knows I don't like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but I like Deadpool enough to watch it and say, like, it was a good film, right? You know what I mean? And, and obviously, like, his Van Wilder days. I love those films. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's become too much of a caricature to me. Like, watch this film, Ed, and tell mm. me next week, like, does this say anything? <coughs> does this do anything? This seemed like schlock for the Fortnite crowd. Mm. And it was horrible that way, because Fortnite is already schlock for the video game mm. crowd. It's not intelligent video gaming. Mm. It's just, you know, button pushing. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what pisses off a lot of us purists that are like, there's no strategy to mm. that. Like battle royale is the easiest thing to create. Mm. People love shooting the shit at each other online. What's mm. the big deal? But fair dues that the world likes Fortnite. Mm. You know what I mean? This again is a movie like that to me, where it's like I guess people like this because it was fun mm. and because it had a lot of explosions mm. and people falling from things. Mm. I thought it was utter shit. You know what I mean? Fair so much. I felt bad because it's like everybody likes the film. And I'm like utter shit. You know what I mean? Don't watch this film. So, catch out Free Guy, guys, and, and, and yeah. you can you know, talk to me. Bringing endorsements. Coming and coming. You know, other things I watched this week. Let's follow up with Taika Waititi that, that was really close to my heart. I mm. wanted him to do it. It's going to influence the, the screenplay that I'm working on now because obviously that has elements. Reservation Dogs 
is oh, a new series. You can okay. get it on Disney, Disney Plus if you have it. It's uh-huh. coming from Stars. It's actually originally from FX. Mm-hmm. It's about a bunch of basically, I mean, the, the first episode is all about them being crooks, but four teenage natives that live in Oklahoma and what their life is like. Mm-hmm. And they're, and, you know, in the, in the first episode, they're, they're like, not a gang. There's a whole big thing about them not wanting to be called a gang, right. but they do bad stuff. Right, they steal right, things. Right. They're 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 whatever. And then, of course, there's there's a change that happens. Blah 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 blah. Watch it. Like, yeah, I'm only on I, episode two. I but... remember reading about this and thinking it sounded really right. Right. Yeah. That's how I came across it. I just was sitting around. I think it was this morning. It was like I need something for 20 minutes. You know, maybe before I get started with work. And it was like ooh. And so 25 minute episodes. They're not long at all. But I'm telling you. It just like it's 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 because it's not because it's going to be the most original story you've ever heard. However, you haven't heard this story from a native's perspective, and they nail it. They mm. nail what the reservation's like in a heartbeat. Mm. And I just think is it people, modern day? Yeah, yeah. And I think people need to see that. And it has oh my god, it, the, the 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 thing you can see Taika in in that is the jokes. Like it has some really good native jokes about like different things happen and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but just watch it. And then if you're on board with it, people love it. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it. I'll talk about a little bit more with the whole series. Other show that you need to catch just came out, not invasion. Everybody should be watching invasion too. I haven't haven't watched invasion yet because another one just came out. First episode swagger. It's Kevin Durant's. Oh, okay. It's, Amazing. Really? Amazing. Is it, uh, is it Jordan Peele producing? No, or? no. I, I couldn't remember who they had. Rocky Somebody was, was the name of okay. the writer-director and the producer. Producer's Durant. He's, he's him and... Okay. And, but Peele, I didn't see Peele's name in the credits. Okay. Hour-long drama. Mm-hmm. It's just something new about basketball. Interesting. It's something you won't have seen, but it's, it's almost like reality TV, but it's not. Mm. And I just feel like, especially non-Americans, should watch this. Because mm-hmm. this will give you a really good insight into the effed up nature of what it's like to be a mm. basketball player. Right, you know right. what I mean? At a young age, because it's all so about a young like, basketball kind of, player. Kind of, it got a bit of blue chips in it, kind of... Even better. Right, like, right, it, right. It, it's post-blue chips. This is talking about, like... Because the, the closest thing you ever had to showing you what it was really like for an African-American child to become a basketball player with Hoop Dreams. Mm. And if you haven't seen oh. that documentary, such I mean, I was at the premiere of that with my father. Like, it was, we cried. Such a good it was such a great film because it, yeah. it really, like, that's how it is, guys. Like, that is not lying to you. There was nothing sugared up at all about those two kids in that. Mm. That was exactly what, and that, the, the, the thing that I think people miss is that's the story of not just two black kids, two black males. That's the story of, a hundred thousand black males in America. Mm. You know what I mean? And they yeah. all go through this. And this is what this show is going to mm. show you and say, look how this kid has to live. Mm. You know what I mean, this is weird. You mm. know what I mean? You may not have ever seen anyone live like this before. And look at the other shit that he has to put up with mm. in his life. Mm. That's why you have swag. That's mm. why people become ballers because mm. they don't want to live like this mm. anymore. You know mm. what I mean? They don't want to do that. So go out and watch it. You'll love it, baby. Next week we'll um, talk. Yeah, I backed a Kickstarter quite a while ago from... Uh, Q is his name. He's the guy who started the No Film School uh, uh, website. Very cool, very cool. And he crowdfunded a, a film that's now on Netflix. And originally it was called Rookie, I think. Mm. Um, but essentially it's about an 11-year-old kid who's scouted by, like, you know, colleges and agents yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that is a very... Um, fertile place for 
incredible stories. It, 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 and it, what really impressed me is that Kevin Durant was behind this. So mm. he is he in it? Because I know no, he's acted I, in a couple of things before, and he was Oh, don't yeah, don't I don't I didn't see him. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't want to say he's not in it. Cause he'd be like he was right there, just like I didn't recognize him. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I mean, he's a giant. I guess there's. You know, a lot I, of I'm pretty players. sure I'd be like, yeah, that's Kevin Durant. Mm. But no, I didn't see anyone that looked like Kevin Durant to me, and it, and, and and you know. Yeah. Basketball players as actors, I mean... Don't don't get me started. Yeah. You're talking to the wrong guy on that one. As I said, I'll get my father in trouble with stuff like that. Um, so that was really good. Then, morning show, latest episode. I still haven't started season two. I've been very, very busy. Like, I can just give you the face, because that Ooh. episode, it's the best episode. Wow. Season, uh, season two episode? I think we're on four or five. Okay. I mean... I'm just remembering it now. Like, mm. it takes you to some very dark Visceral. places. No, not really. Okay. It's more... I'm so impressed for the show for not being afraid to be honest about the way people are going to feel. Mm. And that's on both sides. And so this particular episode was about Alex and um, and, and Mitch. Mm-hmm. It was always going to happen. There was going to be an episode talking about those two. Mm. And this is, like, the episode. Mm. And it just... It's hard. Like, mm. it's hard to watch. Mm. Um and it's just very powerful. Like, if you're into the, the debate that's going on about different aspects of the Me Too movement, just everybody should be watching yeah. this show, okay? Let me, let me such, just put it that it's way. It's such a it's, hard it's, sell, It's though, intelligent filmmaking yeah. and intelligent TV making. And, and that's why I love, And you have some of the best people in the industry on it. And I think that's why some people run away from it. They say, mm. I don't want to hear about yeah, Jennifer looks, Anderson yeah, telling yeah, me yeah. what she is. Yeah. I want Reese Weather. You know what you yeah. do. You really do because they're trying to tell you what it's like on the inside for them. And, and and even though I don't think these things directly happen to those actresses, they clearly know how to act these parts and clearly have seen enough that they're recreating this. You know, as I said, you were talking about this. This could all be basically a, a spinoff of what happened to Matt Lawler mm. and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's powerful. The irony, of course, is that it, it, it was originally based on a book that was written way before the whole Matt Lauer thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, they were well into production once that kind of dropped. So it just shows you kind of how prevalent this shit was. Well, and, and, and without ruining it, I mean, second season openly knows they're rocking into COVID and uh, it's going to be very okay. difficult for them to make a show about yeah, a morning yeah, yeah. show during COVID. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. so that plays into it. But again, Apple has this way, I don't know if it's what they're encouraging their writers to do or they're just hiring writers that do this, that branch and say, you know what? You guys understand the basics now. Let's take the story in this one direction here and see if you guys like it. And then sometimes they do it, and then they come back and say, okay, if you liked it, you liked it. Is Billy Crudup still amazing in it? He's always amazing. Oh, that's awesome. He's my favorite character in that because he's the dreamer. He's so good. He's the producer. You love him, you hate him, you love him, you hate him. Like he's he's It's that self-belief. I'm I'm, I'm a person that advocates that kind of self-belief, and he has that. That that kind of self-belief will make you a millionaire. You know Mm. what I mean? I don't even have that kind of self-belief. I wish I did. Mm. But the way you can see on his face that, and the character he's playing at least, is assured that he's got to do what he's got to do. You Mm. know what I mean? And it may be tough, and it may not be pretty, but he's got to make decisions. Mm. There's a lot of that in season Mm. two. So yeah, when you get a chance... So, because then I'll have to, the last thing that I put on the list, because I'm looking at you, Ed, like, ooh, is, is foundation. Right? <laughs> okay. Don't. Just stop it. I don't want you to ruin it for me. I'm not ruining anything. I just don't, I, mean, I don't even really know what's going on anymore, man. Like, <laughs> okay. I'm just a bit confused about everything. So I need you to watch everything and then kind of be like, tell me it's either, it's okay or, oh no, they really shit the bed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Because it feels like... My worry is Goya. It feels like they're shitting the bed on this one. Because it just is really complicated and I don't quite understand what's going on. And even the characters in the show aren't understanding what's going on. Like, you know you have a problem when your main actors are like, what's going on here? Like, I don't know. I'm expecting you to know what's going on here. And then, of course, there's Harry Seldon that always knows what's going on. You're like, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's absolute bullshit. So, so that, that was this week. Cool. Good stuff. Lots of stuff. Uh, on top of all the usuals. So there was, um, you know, I think I told you I was trying to watch The Host, but I did watch Memories of Murder. Um, I'm going through a whole Korean phase right now. I'm mm. trying to watch more and more Korean stuff. I was checking out stuff on Netflix. Mm. The other thing I'll suggest, one last thing to put on it in while you were watching kind of section. Um, I read The Economist now. Now I'm, I'm walking into a, a, a kind of a brainier job somewhere where I need to kind of know where global movements are. So I used to read it all the time. Now I've started reading again. And at the back of The Economist... Is always a really good arts and culture section, which I would encourage people, you know, not to skip that section. It, they do have some very intelligent things to say. And they were talking about, actually, Netflix in other countries. And this has actually put me on to Netflix because they are releasing things in places like Jordan that have never been seen before. And so that's the kind of Netflix I want to watch. So I actually ended up watching this Egyptian series called paranormal which is all it's like it's like egyptian x-files and it is very egyptian you know Mm. what i mean it's in it's in arabic you know Mm. what i mean it's 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 very there but for if you look at in the context of what egypt is coming out with right now as far as Mm. television and film it's a milestone Mm. and that's i love stuff like that i know that's like waving the flag and blah 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 but that kind of stuff gets me going to Mm. be like awesome so right now there's apparently a a schoolgirl drama in jordan that's that's breaking all barriers there it's the kind of stuff, keep your eyes out for it. I got the idea because the Korean stuff we're watching coming out is is amazing. Mm. You know I mean, I just think it's really, really good. You mm-hmm. know, Squid Games, everybody loved, but there's a lot of other stuff as well. So just remember, Netflix only shows you what they think you want to see. Right. This was there's a way... There's a lot more there. There's yeah. a ton more there's there. some amazing Spanish series. That's which, right, that's yeah. right. I mean, Money Heist is the one that everybody's seen. Yeah, that, but that's the one that blew up a bit like Squid Game kind of thing. Which was good. I did end up watching that a couple months ago. Mm. Wow. Um, but there's another really good one called Farinha, Farinha. Uh, which is about um, the north west of Spain, Galicia. Galicia, yeah. Uh, is is famous for having been the entry point of cocaine coming from Colombia and you know South America and stuff into Europe. Interesting. Yeah, and it's about kind of how that started up it's it's got a little bit vibes of like american gangster you know okay, that kind okay. of like uh mob but spanish i, I, I always style. think of that because i had a friend who was you know they did my wife's a teacher right and they were all going through teaching school together and they all had to pick like it was the the government at the time was pushing foreign languages and so they were all going to go to a different place to study a language my wife ended up in paris which mm. was awesome expensive mm. but then one of her friends was going to spain mm. and you know when you think where are you going to go to learn spain it'd be like salamanca mm. or madrid mm. or you know sevilla some somewhere very spanish instead they sent her to galicia and i was like and she get there and i remember she was on the phone to me she's like they don't even speak spanish here i'm like no they speak gaelic like a form of gaelic like it's it's another kingdom like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really cool place but i don't it's know why beautiful, you're up. It's like i have no idea why you're up there yeah it's closer <laughs> maybe to ireland you know because i grew up spain. like you know when i studied that was my major guys if you don't know that's why i know way more about spain than i should probably less than ed of course because he used to live there probably but Excuse me. okay definitely that's <laughs> sorry buddy sorry buddy um 
but you know, I grew up in a Catholic school where they constantly talked about because a lot of the famous Catholics that were Jesuits were from the Basque province, mm. and that's another area where it's like they don't really speak Spanish, but they speak mm. Basque. Right. You know what I mean? And it's it's very much a different place altogether. So that's history. why I was like, why not send them to you know Andalusia, some anywhere mm. but you know like Cheap, the north, probably. Yeah, it's probably right. Probably right. There's just schools in need. Schools in need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. All right, Coolio. So back to a beautiful mind. What yes. are some of the things you want to talk about, Ed? Well, um, I mean, first of all, so it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars in 2002. Uh, I mean, that says it all, right? Like, well, it, it's interesting, too, because it was at the tail end. The era I grew up in for the Oscars was the clean sweep era. Mm. And, like, that's why when start, stuff like this started happening, I was a bit confused. Mm. Because it used to be. Like, like I think of Braveheart. Braveheart, like, won everything that right, came out. Right, right, and yeah. then the ones before, it was always, like, all the awards. It does happen every so often, doesn't it? Well, yeah. there was an era where it was like five years in a row they were just handing it, mm. handing it. Forrest Gump, everything mm. to the people in Forrest mm. Gump. And then, I, as I said, the, the one that always kills me in the Oscars, when, the, the year I stopped watching is when Tom Hanks loses for Castaway and Gladiator wins. Yeah. It's like, 1999? I think so. Yeah? I think so. Yeah, something like that. So I was like, ah, and then he shows up, Russell Crowe shows up in this, and I'm like, oh, I can't hate you anymore. Yeah, I'm I really know. good in this. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, good yeah. in this. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, lots of Oscars going around. Yeah, it was also nominated for Best Actor for uh, Russell Crowe, mm. Best Score, uh, done by James Horner. It's phenomenal. The music is so good. Yeah, it's memorable. See, and it's the other reason I like going back to this era because if I'm honest, Ed, like I think that's an era where scores were not always better. I mean, we talked about Hans Zimmer and Dune and that was really good. And there's a couple, you know, there's some that are good. There's others that aren't as memorable though. Like if you go back to like, I watch all these because my, my daughter is obsessed with Harry Potter, mm. but Lord of the Rings I love. And you mm. go back to these, these, that era, and mm. that was a really good era for soundtracks because yeah. you just had people that understood how to carry a theme mm. from one end of the movie to the other, so that mm. you had a you know it, it told you something more about the film just by listening to it. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Um, also um, nominated for editing and makeup. It was you know the cinematographer was Roger Deakins on here. You could see that with that's, every shot. That's right. I remember seeing the so name Deacons. We, we love Deacons. Like, you know, and then you had the early scenes, which are really warm and, and woody in, in, in the color palette. And then you see the progression as he's kind of losing his mind. The color palette becomes much cooler. And just some really nice, like, it, it, it felt very classically shot. And then there were some really nice little touches there's yeah. one particular shot where Nash is sitting at his desk and he's had his, you know, his great idea. Uh, and the, the camera starts pulling away from the window. And as it tracks away, you see the plants uh, go from being withered and dead to, you know, spring like they're green. Right, and stuff right, like right. Really subtle VFX um, shot, but, but beautiful and... Again, telling you time's moving on. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it just really, really nicely done. And I think maybe that's the biggest thing to get out of out of some of this. You know, the visuals really add to the story on this one, where I don't think they always do. My favorite scenes are things like the. You know, there has to be a mathematical explanation for how bad that tie is. <laughs> yeah, because that's it a great shows joke. you how yeah. he figures that out, like why he says that just through camera shots. So they yeah. show the lighting, and then it comes up. And I mean, it might have been a VFX. I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah. those just... those the the subtle like because because you see the shapes 
kind of coalesce and it's something that comes out a, a fair amount in in the film and i think it's probably i think it created a meme of like you know when someone's trying to calculate something really complex like numbers appear right because this is you know it always goes wrong with stuff like this like hacking you know hacking just always looks ridiculous on tv because people don't really appreciate what goes into that you know the programmer what's done with that i mean the other one that really hits home i think is the the romance bit where I, i i'm not even sure like at the time they understood just how powerful it was but you've got jennifer conley and and russell crowe on the, on the night looking at stars and mm. all of a sudden she kind of wants to see how his brain works mm. and so she says do it again. you know she yeah, says yeah, point yeah. it out or he says i'm sorry he yeah. turns to her and says i'll show so it's you give me a shape and yeah. it's it's just that way of like opening his brain up to her and her understanding he literally sees, he the, sees patterns the patterns just out there yeah. that's such a, a hard thing on paper yeah. it would be hard because you look at it and you say how am I supposed to show what's in this dude's head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same problems we had when we talked about Dune. Like, how are they going to represent this? How are they going to show this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a good news, everyone, by the way. Dune has been greenlit for part two. Um, we found that out on Thursday. I was, mm-hmm. I was jumping over joy. I was so shocked that it hadn't already been. Uh, but yeah, yeah, good news. Good news. I thought that was, I really, after I read Denise's, there's a really good article on CNN about this, about it's, it's, it's titled as to why he picked Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet? Chalamet? Mm-hmm. Chalamet? 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 I don't know! Dude, you're going to be... This sounds like a song. It sounds like a song. Well, that's why he's going to like me. I'm like, Chalamet! Hey, Chalamet. Roger Meekins. Chalamet! Right? Chalamet. Yeah. Anyways, Timothy. Sure he's going to love Tim. That. He's going to be Tim. Tim was cast for certain reasons. And so the title of this article is talking about, because Denise goes into that and says, all right, well, mm. you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason I cast this kid. Mm. You're going to see it more in part two, I think. But he had to cover all the spectrum. Reminds me a lot of when they talked about Amelia Clark for Game of Thrones. If you mm. listen to D.B. Wise talk about that, he's like, I had Millie Bobby Brown. Mm. And he's like, and I had all these people audition for it. Mm. Amelia Clark was the only one that was going to be able to do it from season one to, to the end. Right, right, you know what I mean? Because she's like, she just could cover both ends of the spectrum of mm. being really naive at times, but then being a, a very, very demanding queen at other times. So, yeah. um, getting back to the point. Yes, which was? <laughs> What's on your list, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> nice, smooth. Um, well, I think we have to talk about the Ron Howard Brian Grazer duo. Okay. Um, I love that. We we have to talk. You have to tell me about it first, <laughs> then we can talk. About it. Well, I think I think you'd find it very interesting to do a bit of research onto them because they are like the epitome of a producer director partnership. Okay. Um, so, so maybe like the Edgar Simon thing that we've seen before, or no, 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 even like bigger than that. I mean, the films that they have produced under their um, their production company, Imagine okay. Entertainment, have grossed over fifteen billion dollars. Okay, my bad, sorry. Guys. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Um, I mean, they've been around since the eighties. They started with things like Willow. And they've gone through Apollo 13, American uh, American Gangster as well, which we talked about. And, like, Dude, Where's My Car? And, like, the, okay. the, the gamut is, like... Dude, Dude, Where's My Car is a Ron Howard film. It's not a Ron Howard film. It's a produced by their production company. Okay, it's a magic right. film. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, I do love that film. Yeah, a, a, just... a, lot of, a lot of stuff 
obviously um, Ron directs and and Brian uh, you know produces, but then they just they produce things as well. Oh, right? this is this is why you want me to read because yes. this is the fi- we love when we find good factories, and yeah. that's what these types of things are because. A, we still haven't seen... Sorry, all our friends that, that make films in the UK. We haven't seen one in the UK yet. And I'm, I'm always desperate trying to rouse people up to say, this is what we need to create, guys. Mm. We need to make a factory mm. that we can just churn out films. Or maybe working can. title might be... They you know, always say that, but mm. you have to... When everybody says it, they say, Ed did it with the lookup. And the, everybody always says it that way. Mm. And the problem I have with working title, it's not a factory because mm. it's, it's a bit more elitist than that. A factory is somewhere where someone can come with the ideas mm. and you're just going to churn them out. Yeah. Like I said, MCU is a factory, right now mm-hmm. anybody can come with a decent comic book story now mm-hmm. and a good way to run it and they can turn yeah. that into a film that someone's going to watch you know you say that but like um they're they're the ones who who bankrolled um Shaun of the dead and like sure, some, of, sure. some of the kind of mid 2000s new english directors and stuff like that i just don't see them prominent as much now you know yeah I, mean? I think i think they they peaked kind of mid to late 2000s yeah when we're yeah. talking about this era and that's what i'm yeah. saying in, in, in 2020 working title it just doesn't seem to be reaching out bbc at the moment is pretty much in the uk the they only place i can cool see stuff, that that yeah. is reaching out that broadly and saying mm. okay give us more because it used to be bbc only did drama mm. and certainly the writing rooms are a pain like that you can either do comedy or drama you can't do like any genre you yeah. know and it's like come on yeah. guys but now they're better about that, and they they do pick up horror. They do pick up you know the odd thing here. They just have I think a more open palette to say okay, well we can produce quite a bit of things now because we have backing from a lot of other production companies that will come in with these things with us. So yeah, Sky yeah. being the same way, you know, Sky Sky is definitely moving in that direction as well. So yeah, I feel like they're a bit hit hit or miss sometimes is the only thing. Hopefully we'll see we'll see. Um, but I also wanted to talk about the wider cast because, okay. boy, this cast like went on to do some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is early days for some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got Russell Crowe and Jennifer Connelly, uh, and then classics like Ed Harris and Christopher Plummer. Um, but Paul Bettany, this is very early Paul Bettany. Yeah, and this is know? one of his best roles. He's fantastic He's in so this. Good I mean, you you can this see is, this is why... How fell, this is how Jennifer Connelly fell in love with him, but this is how yeah. we all fell in love with him. I mean, He's yeah, just... you can see why somebody was like, okay, well, shit, okay, this guy. <laughs> this guy's going to be a star, you know? Um, and so English, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you've got Adam Goldberg in there as well, who plays Sol. And his best buddy, because yes, Adam Goldberg and I never say the Tony. Tony, actually no, his name's Tony and Dazed and Confused. What's his real name? Uh, Adam Goldberg? Adam Goldberg is one, and they're a team. They always do films together. Okay. And it's the other guy he's with. So it's the same one in this film. Not Anthony Rapp. That's it. Maybe. No. Is that who's next to him? That's the blonde guy. Yes. So Anthony Rapp and Adam Goldberg make tons of films together, Ed. Dazed and confused, they were in together. They made. I mean, okay. Adam Goldberg has a lot of like uh, Jewish comedies that I love, like The Hebrew Hammer and stuff like that. But yeah, they're, they're both Jewish guys, from what I remember. Um, I think you may be confusing with someone else, just because this this guy was famous as a Broadway actor, and he perhaps more famously was the person who the Kevin Spacey guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is it is that is that? No, the this same is him. Guy? Yeah, oh, I mean, wow, it looks okay. just like him. If 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 he has a clone that Adam does other films with, fine. Watch Dazed and Confused okay. would be where I see. But it was the duo. They mm. always appeared together in films. Uh, and you just recognize because he always has those glasses. He always has those thick bottle cap glasses and like the blondish hair. 
So if it's not Anthony Rapp and other things, though, I apologize. As I said, you just look the same as the other guy that's always in there. And I thought they made films together. But <laughs> as I said, I haven't done the research on it. He, I just he was definitely it. in Days and Confused. I, yeah, just, I think you might you might be absolutely right. Yeah, yeah it's, and they used to see some stuff on Comedy Central back in the day when he was doing, like, Adam Goldberg is one of those hidden gems, mate. Like, yeah, he just, yeah, he's He has depths. Hebrew Hammer, watch it. It's mm. hilarious, mm. you know what I mean? And there's a bunch of other stuff. That's just and the one I remember. was very good in Fargo yeah. recently, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, fabulous, fabulous. Um, but yeah, just just a really good cast overall. You know, I was I was surprised. I I didn't remember a lot of the people. It's you know. interesting. I think it's it's a well used cast because then mm. you have Ed Harris in a role that's kind of weird for him. Mm. He always plays like the good guy, and in this mm. one he's not really a good guy at oh. all. He's he's a spook. kind of the bad guy, he's isn't a spook. he? In, I mean, he's a, he's a figment of someone's imagination, yeah, 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 yeah. but he's a spook. Yeah. Um, who are some of the other great ones? Who's the who is the actor who plays? Is that Christopher Plummer that plays the dean in the end? The dean of the um No, no. The blonde haired guys is his rival. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Christopher who's... Plummer played the doctor, the psychiatrist who, oh, okay, okay. who tries to who tries okay, to that help. That shows you him. how much I know about uh, actors, Josh right? Lucas is is that actor. I He's think that's an- a another great phenomenal yeah, performance yeah, yeah. in this one. Yeah, and yeah. I, and unfortunately I haven't seen him in that much, but this one, it, he really pulls it off. The, the The thing I love about there is they're always playing Go, which is which is like yeah. Reversi or Othello, which this usually yeah, play yeah, in this yeah. country. It's just a, a bit more complicated. Yeah. And that line that, that John Nash repeats twice, which is stupefied, terrified, horrified by you. You know, they come and play the game. I just love that because there's that banter and there's that, you know, that's where I agree with you that this was groundbreaking without people realizing it was groundbreaking mm-hmm. because... What people could watch from this. Nowadays, we complain and we say mental health isn't cared about. Mental health. Listen, they've given you all the tools in this movie. And that's why I love movies like this. To show you what you need to do to help people with mental health problems. Well, yeah. that that That's perhaps... Like, I, I'm, I don't know if I would advocate for that method with everyone, you know. But 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 it's just bringing it to light. Just, just you know, like showing that it's something that you can you know, work on and, and, and try to improve rather than just, oh, crazy people. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah, no, no. You get I'm not, the vibe, I, Bobby, That's, in, that's in the, the thing. Film. Like, I'm not giving you a diagnosis, but what I'm saying is the, 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 the tail end of the movie where we find that he is better off mm. by placing in places he's familiar with, yeah, his yeah, friends, yeah. you know, mm. the people he's grown up with. You know, this is rival, really. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? Go out of their way to try to make it. And that makes it so that, you know, he can end up taking that Nobel Prize at the end and, oh, and, and do those things, you know dude. what I mean? This like this film, I was I I was sure I wasn't gonna cry. I was sure oh, I wasn't. Always, gonna always cry. happens to that speech three times. It wasn't the speech for me. Okay, for me it was. Uh, I wrote it down. Um, uh, when he says goodbye to Charles and the little girl, like just like, uh, and then the pen scene, uh, the scene where like he sits down in the in the dining room in the professor's dining room and they all come up and give the yeah, pens. yeah. oh that's what I mean dude. with the mental health awareness stuff like stop treating people like that as if they've got a third hoof or something like that or mm-hmm. you know goes to feet or something like that like normal people with with extraordinary problems that's mm. all yeah, and so yeah, yeah. or in this case a very smart person mm. with an extraordinary problem quick question. Um, one criticism that I have for this film, okay, um, is kind of like what what I said earlier, in in the sense that they they're trying to tell a story, right? And they're trying to tell a sweeping story that makes you kind of warm and fuzzy inside, right? That's the essence, kind of Oscar baiting adaptation, right? Yeah, yeah. 
and 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 also Oscar bait. That's why you stuff. have to say based on a true story. Yeah, um, yeah, and like I, there were moments where I was like, oh, that probably wasn't how it actually happened. Do you no, know what I, I mean? I, I told you because I am a married man, right? And like, and like, it's not like I would know one way or the other. My marriage is fine, thank you. Um, but listen, you get to that middle part where you, I think, are very good. Everything gets gray mm. and dark and horrible, and he's re he's relapsing basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the baby in the bathwater thing, oh. like that. In reality, guys, that was probably I don't I haven't done the research to know, but his first wife left him, mm. like just couldn't take it anymore. That would be probably the moment that happens. Right, and that it, it's kind of similar to, to I think we may have talked theory about theory of everything theory of has everything. the same, yeah. and, and, it, and they did the same thing in the theory of it. They realized they were never going to get away with it with Stephen Hawking because everybody knew mm. that he left his first wife mm. and moved on to his carer, who yeah, became yeah, his yeah. second wife no, because she just kind of understood him yeah. or whatever it was. The thing I didn't like about the theory of everything because I I didn't know if it was true or not, and mm. I'm a bit of a gossip, and I was like, I don't know if it was that straightforward or not mm. but you know in that movie it they split them but it's like this really uber amicable yeah. split <laughs> like you go be happy with that other man you've been you know not consciously uncoupled we're very christian so we have to do this and i mean the the, the yeah. high and mightiness of it yeah, all yeah. just made me want to like take a dump on the film and be like fuck you yeah you know? and like, i think that's this is not yeah. how real life plays out and you people have ruined <coughs> me for th- me thinking that this is how because the problem i have it is because in a real situation i'm a you know i'm a cinephile so a lot of my life is life imitating art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you try to do things like that, it, it goes horribly work. wrong. Yeah. It's very Why are you yelling? You're not supposed yeah. to be yelling. It's just the other person I want to sleep with. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's just, that's what I mean. And so in this one, Ron Howard decides not to even go there and just removes the problem and says, mm. we're just going to, because that speech at the end isn't going to be nearly as powerful if it's right. the second wife. Exactly. You, know? exactly. you are everything. It's all because of you. Or that other one. Second wife. <laughs> yeah. And first son. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you have to Hollywoodize it a bit. That's what we used to call it, right, back in the day when they yeah. did that. Yeah. You know, it's Hollywoodizing I just it. wonder if nowadays that's a harder sell for people. I think we've, you know, we've, we've, we've become a little bit more cynical about things. That's right. And I, that's why I like this film, because this was like my punch to the younger millennials. Like, the problem you have, and, and this isn't me shitting on you, it's just saying... This kind of cynicism would ruin that film. Mm. You know, you'd walk through it, and clearly it yeah. didn't for you, yeah. and clearly it didn't for a lot of other people. But I could picture like a twenty-five-year-old guy, a friend of mine, watching that and be like, rolling their eyes, and, and you're yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, you roll your eyes at everything because you're twenty-five. And this is where I sound like an old man, and it's like, no, a little optimism in your life, son. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and I, and I think there has been a kind of kind of swing back the other way in terms of I like so, yeah. post-pandemic. You know, we've talked about like how entertainment at the minute seems to want to entertain us and and like distract us from you know the the dumpster fire that the past well, yeah, two you, years you know it goes like. back to another thing i was reading in the economist that said you have too many too many, too many articles of the economist coming on the show now but um you know colin powell died right? mm, it was yeah, a big yeah, deal yeah. in america and uh and, and someone that was well respected by the right and the left everybody loved the guy because he was a great he was a military general but he was a, he was also a great man and one of, he had lived his life by all these rules, right? This is what happens with guys that reach that. You realize they're very, very specific. And one of the things he always said, he's like, okay, you have an issue, get mad about it, and then get over it. Mm. And I like that because there's, there's two parts to that. The mm. get mad part, I think, is what we did. Mm. You know, and there was this huge uproar over not just, 
you know, a lot of different things. The Me Too movement, you've got, I'm not saying get over the Me Too movement, but, you know, race came into play. Then you also have, you know, all these different Political things all things. coming at the same time yeah. now. But now we're post-COVID. And it's like, for me, it's like there comes a point when we have to move forward. Because if we continue to debate about these things, we're just going to go in circles. And so I hope we're getting to that point. I feel like we are. In my heart, it's like, yeah, people are starting to listen to each other again. You know, certainly on this climate change thing, it seems it sounds like people are definitely putting their ear to each other and saying, okay, well, what do we need to do? Finally. Finally, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, mean, I, I sat in a seminar today where somebody was like, yeah, it's about 10 years too late. And I'm like, well, it's not too late yet. But right, right, yeah, right. it's 10 years after we said to do it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, hopefully, like, that's why maybe it's good that we're putting on the podcast because it's like renewed vigor renewed optimism like yeah. the world's not a horrible place guys the world is what you make of it and so we definitely need to get on the get over it part i think yeah. I, you know i'm not i'm not the all-knowing or anything close to that but for me that's how i feel i'm mm. like i've got to start getting over some of this stuff it doesn't mean i forget right. it doesn't mean that and it doesn't mean that you don't act as well because things need to change that's right. and you know hopefully we can be the change that we want to see in the world Quote I see it. Muhammad As I said, I, I am now successfully navigating the city with, with much longer hair than before. Um, and I think my wife's the only one that keeps bringing that up now. And I'm like, no, people at work, you know, people people downtown are just used to it now. Like, you know what I mean? We, we have more people of color, not a ton more people, but it's getting better. Because you're able to just kind of say, listen, this is how I am. You mm. know what I mean? This is how it's going to be. And people will now be like, okay, that's how you are. Yep. All right, folks. Well, we have been going on for a, a little over an hour here, and and it is very very late in the uh, about know, chateau, an hour and twenty show chateau du du la Victoria. Yeah. So without further ado, next week, oh man, we're gonna be so stoked. Last night in Soho. I mean, it could be the worst film ever. We're still gonna tell you it's the best film ever. So be prepared for that, guys. That like, there's very little bad we are likely to say about Edgar Wright because mm. we just get his style. Uh, that's been the argument so far about this film is it's style over substance which will be everything we want <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know give me give me something like Baby Driver again hell yeah yeah yeah. so 100%. we look forward to bringing that to you next week all along with all the stuff we've been watching hopefully Ed goes and watch Free Guys so we can shit on it together or he can be like you're so mean <laughs> you're crazy Ryan Reynolds deserves an Oscar all right. Well, we'll let him decide. We'll just tweet him because he apparently responds to these types of things. Well, well he, he was in. We can't decide if your film shit or not. Him so let and, us know. Uh, Rob McElhenney were in were in England just the other day because they've bought a football club together. Oh, that's right. Wrexham. Yeah, he bought Wrexham. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and um, you know. He was his, his, his charming self, and Rob was, was very funny as well. It doesn't help that he's married to was it Blake Lively as well. Like, oh man, you know, like could it get, could it get any better for you? I'm just a hater. I'm a hater. Hate, 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 hate. He used to date uh, Alanis Morissette as well. Know, Back know, when Alanis just, was... I love how Alanis. like Blake Lively and you said Alanis Morissette. Man, are we showing the spectrum <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, what can I say? All right, folks. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. We will catch you next week. And until then, bye-bye. Bye.